perseverance. We all have this uh, desire to begin well, uh, but many times we don't end well. Uh, when I was a young Christian, uh, I came across this pamphlet. Um, somebody was passing it out, and I, I got a copy of it. And it was entitled, Many Aspire, Many Desire, Many Want To, Many Aspire, But Few Attain. So there's a lot of things we want to do. There's a lot of things we'd like to do. We, we have a goal maybe to do. Uh, but do we ever attain that? Do we ever see it to the end? Uh, do we accomplish that? And so this booklet was talking about in our Christian faith, many aspire, but few attain. And uh, the first line in that little booklet, little pamphlet said, many begin well, but precious few end well. And so we all have a desire to, to get to the end uh, of our Christian walk, end of our life well. We want to end well. Um, I enjoyed watching the Olympics this summer. How many of you guys watched the Olympics? Did y'all enjoy watching the Olympics? Um, well, I enjoyed watching a lot of the sports, but track and field was something that I enjoyed. And, and so the 800 meter and the 400 meter and other, some of the longer distance, not the sprinting as much applies to this, but some of those a little bit longer races that are fast, they're not the long endurance races, but, but the ones that are almost a, a, a total sprint, you'll see that there'll be someone who starts off and they're leading the pack and they are at a furious pace and everybody else is at a pretty fast pace too, but, but this person is just out front and they are just booking it. And uh, after several laps, um, they start falling back. And the others, you know, catch them and, and, and end. And many times, some of those guys that are the jackrabbits, the front rotors, end up being fifth, sixth, seventh, something like that. So they began well, but they didn't finish well. And so uh, I've always, and I've told you the story about when I was in college and I, I ran in that road race and, and didn't finish well. I'm not going to tell the story again because uh, it's embarrassing. Uh, but I was that jackrabbit who started out very fast but didn't end well. But in our Christian faith... We want to begin well, amen. We want to be excited about the things of God. And sometimes uh, we, we are too excited, we're, we're too exuberant. Uh, sometimes we have zeal without wisdom, uh, but we want to continue that on. And so perseverance is so important. And the scriptures say that we have need, the writer of Hebrews says, we have need for perseverance, we have need for endurance, another way of translating that Greek word. And so this understanding that we want to begin well, uh, but we want to endure to the end. Jesus in Matthew uh, 24 and 25 begins to explain to his disciples and parables and some other things about the end times and how there's going to be difficulty and, and uh, there's going to be hard things that happen and there's going to be people that rise up and do certain things and they're going to lead people astray in their faith. And then he says this, um, and this is 24 uh, verses 12 and 13. He says, Jesus says, because lawlessness has increased, most people's love will grow cold, but those who endure to the end will be saved. Because lawlessness has increased, most people's love will grow cold, but those who endure to the end will be saved. Now, 20 years ago, we know in the United States, 9-11, uh, uh, that'll always be at, you know, numbers that we have uh, etched in our memory. Um, lawlessness had increased in, uh, to the point in our country where we, we lost lots of lives because of a terrorist attack. And, uh, and because of that, um, lots of things happened. You know, there was all kind of emotions that we experienced. Some of you might have been watching this weekend some of the, 
some of the footage from, from that horrible day and, and uh, those emotions might have stirred up in your heart, the shock, the awe, the, the anger, the frustration, the, the desire to, to retaliate, all of those things that happen uh, when we experience something like that. Um, but Jesus said there's going to be a lot of lawlessness that's going to be around in the end times and what might happen to some people is that their passion for God, their love for God, their, their desire to be a part of a Christian community will begin to wane. That word grow cold means incrementally start de deteriorating, incrementally start, start to decline. And so what we don't want to do is fall into that trap that happens to many folks, and that is we begin well with our faith. We're very uh, exuberant. We, we read our Bible. We go to church. But then as time goes along and as things happen, and sometimes lawlessness happens, sometimes evil things happen, uh, it begins to, to pull away our passion for God, and, and we just begin to get cold in our faith. We, we become apathetic. Uh, in, in Revelation, we see some of the churches that are being written to, those seven churches at the beginning. One of the churches, uh, their love for God had, had just become lukewarm. And God said, I'd rather be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. Don't, don't just be nonchalant about your faith. Don't just act like it's not that important. Uh, and then another church, he said, remember the things you did at the beginning. Let your love be rekindled. The things that you did when you first fell in love with Jesus, the things that we did when we first became a believer, what were those things, the passion you had for God or the interest that you had in Christianity or, or the desire, the hunger that a person might have had to, to know more about God? You know, he says, go back to those things and continue to do those types of things. Uh, and so this little booklet that said, Many Inspire, Few Attain, really went through some of those things that we do to keep our love for Christ strong. And uh, things that you all know, but, but basically we want to stay in the Word, and we want to come to church, and we want to be in small group fellowship, and, and we want to serve others, and we want to do things to help other people, and not let the world just rotate and revolve around us, but we look to others and we try to help others. So with the understanding that in the end times things are going to get more difficult and, and our love might grow cold, what do we need? We need endurance, amen? We need perseverance. We need that ability to stick to something that is important, even though things might try to uh, distract us from doing that, even though there might be things that might discourage us from, from staying the course, even though there might be evil things actually plotting against us to stop us from doing whatever it might be for God. Um, or discourage us to the point where we just give up and say, you know, it's just not worth it. I'm not going to do this. It might be the standard of morality that God wants us to hold. And you say, well, it's just not worth staying the course and, and being that good, being that moral, being that ethical, being that honest, being all those types of things God wants us to be as we reflect Jesus in this world. Um, and so as I think about desire to be one who perseveres to the end, as I think about uh, being that person who has endurance, uh, in the scriptures, the person that came to my mind that really exemplifies this is Nehemiah from the Old Testament. And so you've got in your bulletin, and it's going to be on the screen for those that are on, online, uh, let's look at two verses out of Nehemiah, or two sections of that, of that book, uh, and we'll um, unpack this a little bit. But in your bulletin, you'll see uh, the first one is Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17, and then we're going to jump down to chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. So Nehemiah 2.17 says, Then I, and this is Nehemiah talking, said to them, and this is a group of elders and leaders that were in Jerusalem, You see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates have been burned by fire. 
Come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a disgrace. And then in chapter 6, verse 15, and then 16. So the wall was completed in the 25th month of Eul in 52 days when all our enemies heard about it and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence and they realized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. So I, I gave you the beginning of this and the end of this uh, section of the building of the wall from Nehemiah. So let me give you some background and let me kind of put it in context for us. Um, so Nehemiah lived in exile. Uh, the northern kingdom was, was uh, Fran has talked to you about uh, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and remember that from a couple of weeks ago. What, what voices do we listen to? Where do we, where do we get our advice? How do we make good decisions? Uh, well, the, the, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two parts after Jeroboam's bad decision. Um, and so you had the northern kingdom, which was the kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom, which is the kingdom of Judah. And that was two tribes. The northern kingdom was ten tribes. And so God's desire was that they would follow his will, obey his laws, love him. Uh, and in that, there would be great blessing. In obeying the Lord, there would be great outpouring of grace and mercy and favor and protection and all these things. Uh, but the nation of Israel, like many of us, uh, didn't embrace the things of God and turn their back on God and began to embrace other ideas of how to live and, and uh, things, uh, including worshiping other gods and those types of things. So God's hand of grace was pulled back from them and, and uh, his judgment was pronounced. So the northern kingdom was uh, taken by Assyria. And then later on, a couple hundred years later, the southern kingdom was, was overrun by Babylon. And the southern kingdom uh, was taken into exile. And uh, so Nehemiah is written at the time of the exile. They've been over 70 years uh, living uh, over there in uh, Babylon in that area. So they, Babylon was overrun by the Persians and the Medes and the Persians, and, and they began to rule and, and, and conquer that uh, known world at the time. So Nehemiah is working for, for a king. Uh, this is at the time he is uh, Artaxerxes. So this is around 460 uh, B.C., uh, so you've got several different kings. You've got Cyrus, who was there in the 539, and then you got Darius the Mede. We read about him coming and ca capturing Babylon. Then Darius the First, who was 521 to 486, and then Xerxes, Artaxerxes, and that was where the Book of Esther was written. Uh, that was around 486 to 464, and then Artaxerxes the First was the ruler during the time of Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, uh, Nehemiah, not Nebuchadnezzar. Um, so this is uh, about the time where, uh, well, during that time, you, you have um, a group of Jews that get to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And that was uh, Ezra, and that was uh, Zerubbabel. Those guys went back with a group of people back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Uh, and that was during Darius the Medes' reign. Uh, and so they've gone back. They've gone back to rebuild the temple. Uh, but the walls had not been rebuilt. And so the, even though the temple was finished, the city was still uh, in disarray. And when Nehemiah finds out, you know, how Jerusalem's doing and realizes things aren't going well, he wants to go back and rebuild the walls so Jerusalem can be that mighty, wonderful city that it was before. So he gets permission from the king. He goes back with a group of people, and he begins to rebuild the walls. Now, here's where perseverance comes in. Here's where endurance comes in. When Nehemiah gets there and he checks things out, and then the first verse that we read, 
He gets the people together and basically rallies the troops and says, guys, let's rebuild the walls. I know everybody has that same desire to do this. Let's get it done. And everybody was like, yeah, let's do it. So they began to rebuild the walls. Now the problem was the folks that lived around the area, and, and the scripture mentions two people. One is named Sanballat and the other is Tobiah. Uh, Sanballat was the governor of, of uh, Samaria, which is just a little bit north of there. And uh, Tobiah was an Ammonite, which is just uh, east of there. They didn't want Jerusalem to be uh, fortified again. They didn't want the walls to be rebuilt. They wanted to be able to come in there as they wanted to and continue to overrun the people, continue to, to keep them under their thumb. They wanted to still have authority in the area. They still wanted to kind of do what they wanted to do. But if Jerusalem had a wall built around it, then they could be an entity and a power and a, and a, a group that they could no longer rule over and have their own way with. So when these two men find out, they start rallying the troops to discourage the work of rebuilding the wall. And so the next five chapters talk about the wall being built. And we find in chapter 6 when it was completed. But as the wall is being built, all the different things that happened to try to keep this from being accomplished. And that's what we're going to kind of look at in just a minute. Um, and some of these things can relate to you and me today. So we've got a task we want to do. Or last week when Fran talked about work, Whatever you are called to do, and you might feel like, well, Mark, I don't have a job that's, you know, um, you know, considered a, a Christian job. It's just a, it's just a mundane job. And hopefully what Fran helped us understand last week was that whatever you're doing as you're doing unto the Lord is very important. You can still be pushing back the darkness. You are still glorifying God by using your gifts and your graces to, to do good in this world. Whether you're working as a clerk or whether you're at a bank or whether you're whatever it might be, whatever occupation you might have, or even in our retirement, when people are retired, there's things that we do. There's, there's, there's abilities that God has given us in, in, in just enjoying life uh, that are so important. So how do we continue to stay faithful to that? How do we continue to persevere when things try to discourage us from doing our job or make us feel like we're just at a dead-end job or make us feel like life is not worth living uh, all these kind of things that come at us, um, or what does it matter that I'm even doing this? You know, what's the, what is it really even accomplishing? Even doing anything good, these are thoughts that come our way. And so the ability to persevere, the ability to have endurance uh, will help us finish strong and finish to the end. So uh, in chapter 2, we read uh, verse uh, 17. Well, if you look at verse 19, um, then you have uh, Sanballat and you have uh, Tobiah. Uh, actually, before that, uh, they're very displeased, um, and they try to discourage the people uh, from doing the job. So one of the ways they try to discourage them uh, is they start questioning what they're doing. They start poking at them. Why are you doing this? Who are you doing this for? What, who told you to do this? Why did you do it? So sometimes questions are good because they give you clarification. But sometimes questioning, when somebody's questioning you, uh, you might get a little intimidated by that and go, oh, no, you know, what am I doing? Uh, so they begin to question them. And then in their response, they said, hey, we're building this wall. You know, we're doing this for the Lord. Then they began to mock the workers. They began to mock Nehemiah. Oh, you're doing it for the Lord. Oh, isn't that so sweet? Oh, you must, you know. And so when people start mocking you, making fun of you for doing whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's living a Christian life or working hard at your job, you know, people start questioning you. That's a way that you can, you can start getting uh, your, your passion or, the, or, or beginning to erode some of your, your zeal for things. But then if people really start coming at you with, with mockery 
or ridicule or poking fun at you. Nobody, nobody likes that, do we? We just don't. Nobody likes to be made fun of. Nobody likes to be ridiculed. Nobody likes to be mocked or, or, or you know, just become some, some type of byword. But that's what they're doing. So they think that's going to stop them. And, and, and it didn't. But it does stop many people. That keeps the people from persevering. That keeps people from enduring. So that, that, that first thing we need to realize is, is and, and some of that, these are actually the enemies of the people of God. And so we know that, that we might not have personal enemies, but we do know that we have an enemy. You know, Jesus is very clear with, to us that we, we have an enemy, and he is Satan, and there are demonic forces that are, that are at work in the world today specifically to steal and kill and destroy you and your faith, me and my faith. So we have to realize this. The book of Job is very specific. It helps us understand there's more to this life than obey and you're blessed, disobey and you're cursed. Now, in the Old Testament mindset, that was the only thing they had to work with. If you're right with God and you obey God, then you're going to be blessed and you're going to have a good life. So people that are blessed and have a good life, they would say, they would, they would, they would come to the conclusion, oh, they must be doing what's right with God. They must be in a good relationship with God. So if somebody was, was not having a good life, things were going bad in their world, then the conclusion that they would draw would be, okay, they, they must have been doing something wrong. They must have sinned somehow. There must be some kind of issue that's going on between them and their creator, and they're not right with God. So that's what's happening. So that was the mindset. And, and the book of Job helps us understand there's a whole lot more going on. Things are a whole lot more complicated than just you obey, you're blessed, you disobey, you're cursed. Now, th that is a law that God has set forth. That, that doesn't change. But there's more players in this game than that. And so we understand, and Jesus helps us understand, the New Testament is full of this example, is that there's more to this than that. And then we have to understand sometimes you and I are persecuted for doing good, um, and Jesus was persecuted for doing good, and so Jesus obeyed God even to the point of death, death on a cross. So you can't say, uh, you know, if I'm persecuted, then I must be doing something wrong because I'm not experiencing God's blessing. Sometimes we get persecuted because we do what is right. Uh, and that was what was happening here. They, they were doing what was right. They were rebuilding the wall, and they're getting persecuted. They're getting jumped on. They're getting uh, uh, mocked and ridiculed. So that's the first line. So sometimes this happens with people. People will laugh at you, question you, mock you, ridicule you. Sometimes, because the evil one, the enemy that we have, doesn't necessarily always use people, he uses ourselves against ourselves. So what are the questions that we're asking ourselves? What are the things in our mind that we're having to deal with? The uncertainty, the self-questioning, you know, what, what, what is the, the, the mental um, battle that we're involved with many times? So if you say, well, I, I can't do it, or I'm not worthy, or maybe someone has told you that and that's logged in our mind, and we say, well, gosh, no, I can't, or, you know, I'm, I'm, you know uh, it's, it's all of those kind of things that we have to say. So, so it might be somebody physically saying this to you, or it might be thoughts that you have to deal with in your mind. Uh, and so what we want to do with those thoughts, First uh, Corinthians talks about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So, so every thought that comes through my mind, I want to take it captive. And, and I physically do this uh, almost. Uh, you know, it's like I, I capture that thought and, I, and I, I hold it up to Jesus and I say, what about this thought? You know, 
and I want it to be submitted to Jesus. Now, if it's, if it's a, a good thought, that's awesome. But if it's not, then I, I let God's word help me judge with that thought. So if it, it, it could be anything from jealousy, it could be anything from greed, it could be lust, it could be pride, it could be arrogance, it could be joy, it could be celebration, it, it, all those things that go on in our head. You know, how do we deal with that? Well, we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We let Jesus examine that thought. And if it's a thought we ought to think, great. If it's a thought that we shouldn't think, well, then God helps us get rid of that thought or helps us judge that thought based on his word. Okay, here's how you deal with that. Here's what you do with that thought. Uh, that kind of thing. Here's how you examine that question that, that you know, uh, about yourself. And so if, if you say, well, you know, you're not worthy, you're not good, Nehemiah could be thinking, I'm not worthy to do this job, or I don't have the skill set to do this job, or, you know, who am I to think I should be doing this? And, and God would say, no, I've called you to do that. You know, you've got the ability, those kind of things. So, so these, these questions. Then we go on, chapter 4, if we keep reading, uh, verse 1. So... Nehemiah and the group, they keep working, and, and they work through that first, that hurdle that they're having to go through, that stumbling block that might have kept them going. So they come through on the other side. So Sanbala and Tobiah, they come back to these guys, and now the response that they have is that they are furious, okay? It says in verse 1, they're furious, they're very angry, and they continue to mock. So now they intensify this. And they've got venom, they've got anger, they're coming at them even more, and Tobiah even says, you know, if a fox would jump on your wall that you're building, it would, it would need to withstand the weight of a fox, it's going to fall down. So now they're, they're not only continuing to mock, but now they're, they're, they're saying, what you're doing isn't even worth doing. What you're doing doesn't make a difference in this world. What you're doing will not last, will not stand. So now they've taken it to another level. So it, in the questioning, it could be that you're doing something for the Lord or you're living. And so now there are people saying, that's not even going to work. You're wasting your time being a Christian. You're wasting your time doing this. What you're doing doesn't amount to anything. Why are you even doing that? Kind of back to what Fran was talking about last week about, about work. Um, I remember when I did campus, uh, youth ministry, uh, that was the time our girls were being born and, and they were little bitty. And, and Fran, we chose that she would stay home and, and raise our girls which was the right choice for us. And so one week I was at elementary church camp and I was the director of the camp and, and we had hundreds of kids, well, about 110 kids. And it was just a great week. Kids were getting saved. Our, our staff were, you know, getting right and, and excited about God. Our, our uh, high school counselors and, and counselors in training. I mean, it was just a great week. I mean, I, I, God just showed up. It was just, it was just amazing. I was so humbled, so excited. And I came back home, and uh, I was telling Fran about all these cool things that were going on, you know, that God was doing this, and these kids were getting saved, and oh, my God, it was just great. And she, she looked at me, she said, I really don't want to hear that right now. And I was like, what? She goes, well, Mary came home from school with lice. We had a stomach bug that came through the house. All the girls have been sick and throwing up. So not only have I been dealing with throw up every day and getting lice out of it because Mary has the thickest hair, you know, she's saying, I've been dealing with all this stuff and I, you know, I care, but I really don't care. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I said, well, honey, I, I, I hate that you had that week, but the bottom line was what could have happened to her is the devil could have been coming in and saying, what you're doing doesn't amount to anything, but look what your husband is getting to do. Oh, look, look how he's advancing the kingdom, and you're stuck here at home, and, and, and you're cleaning up throw-up. 
and you're having to shampoo your daughter's hair four or five times, you know, and you're having to do all this stuff, you know, and, and that would discourage someone in their faith. That would make them think what they're doing is not important. But thank goodness she realized raising our three girls was the most important thing she could do. And I tried to continue to remind her of that. I mean, there's not a better investment of her time than, than doing that, being there for them. And not everybody's able to do that, and I understand that. But the bottom line was, in those moments where you feel like your, your work is not worthy, or you're not really making an impact, or you're not really doing anything, or you start looking at somebody else and saying, I wish I could do that, and, and then you start thinking, oh, what I'm doing is not important, that's part of this lie. That's part of this scheme to help, uh, to, to discourage us and, and not keep us to persevering in our faith, enduring in our faith. Um, and so I'm so glad she didn't succumb to that. But the bottom line is that is part of what we have to realize. Then it goes on. These two guys began to get other folks that were uh, going to get on their team to fight against them. And then they began to threaten the work. And they, they, they gathered, Sam Ballant and Tobiah began to gather other groups that lived around Jerusalem that weren't Jews, and they formed an army. And they said, okay, because you're not stopping the wall, guess what we're going to do? We're, we're coming after you. And we're going to attack you, and we're going to kill you. And so a lot of the Jews got really scared, and a lot of Jews wanted to stop building the wall. And Nehemiah gathered everybody together and said, Guys, I understand how dangerous this is, and I understand that these guys mean business, and I understand that, 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 you're, that you're fearful, and your families are very valuable to me and very valuable to you, but we have this work that we're all called to do. And so they began to station guards, and some people said, well, instead of putting the bricks there and doing all that stuff, I'll, I'll be one of those soldiers that are standing ready, and I'll be there to help protect. And then some began to use a sword with their, on their side, and they would work, and they had the sword. And then they had sitting areas. If something, if something was happening over this part of the wall, they would blow a trumpet, and this group would leave and come over there, and they would make sure they would fight for one another. So they, began, they, they got together, and they got a strategy to help combat this, this um, threat that they had, a very real threat. Uh, and they continue to work, and they continue to work. So sometimes, not only is the battle up here, and, and then you've got to deal with them, but sometimes it might get to the point where, and, and we don't live this way in America, thank the Lord, but the folks in Iraq that I'm going to go see in two weeks, that was their situation. Their faith in Jesus put their life in jeopardy. And some of their friends, some of their relatives lost their life. And they fled for their life. But they weren't going to deny their faith in Jesus. They weren't going to say, okay, well, listen, Taliban or, or ISIS, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give in and we're going you know, to deny Jesus as the, the God of heaven and earth. And we're going to go ahead and, 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 and give in. We're very blessed in this country not to have to deal with that. But people all across the world have been through the centuries. They've had to deal with that. So these guys uh, came up with a plan and said, okay, here's how we're going to combat those forces that are coming against us. And, uh, and that's what they did. They stood guard. They, they did these things that I mentioned to you. Um, and, 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 of course, it didn't, it didn't uh, the enemy didn't win. So their last resort, what they ended up doing, is they hired this man. Basically, he was, he was a well-respected Jew. And he the, Sam Balintabai hired this guy and said, why don't you go talk to Nehemiah? And basically, why don't you say, here's what the Lord's saying to me. Here's what God's saying to you trying to persuade him that what he's doing really isn't what God wanted to do, that he's kind of been deceived, that, that he's kind of going on the wrong track. 
And so when Nehemiah hears what you would think would be a trusted fellow Jew or someone that you should respect in the Lord kind of thing, telling him that he's doing wrong, that can devastate you. Your perseverance, your continued course of action can really get off track when you think, oh no, here's somebody that, that's telling me something different. And this is what Nehemiah said, verse 12 of chapter 6, Then I perceived that surely God had not sent him, but he uttered his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him for this reason, that I might become frightened and act accordingly and sin so that they might have an evil report in order that they could reproach me. So sometimes um, the people in the church can come and say things to you that just hurt your feelings, that, that sometimes aren't, aren't even of the Lord, uh, and that can be a danger. Um, that's why we want to continue to yield to Christ. We want to yield to the Spirit. We want to continue to be, stay humble and speak those words of encouragement to one another and not be um, folks that speak evil. Uh, but so the, so the closest people to you sometimes can be that um, voice that will distract you and, and discourage you. So in the end, uh, we, we read that verse. They finished the wall in 52 days. So in the midst of all of this uh, uh, resistance, in the midst of all of these opportunities to stop building the wall, they, they, they finished it. And what was the end result? And that was this, back to, to verse 16. And when our enemies heard about it, and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence, for they realized that this work had been accomplished with the help of God. So what does it mean if you persevere to the end? What, what will God do if you're just faithful in your job and you're just bagging groceries or whatever it might be? Because we've been consistent and faithful to do what God wants us to do, not what God wants somebody else to do, but what God wants you to do, he will receive the glory. And that's what we want. It is to his purpose and to his end that we live, not to our purpose and our end. But in our life, as you and I are consistent, and we do what we know we're supposed to do, whether it might seem mundane or it might seem fantastic, who gets the glory? God is honored and God is glorified. So in the day when we stand before him, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I asked you to do. Whether it's that he gave you five talents or two talents or one talent, it doesn't matter the amount of talents. It's what he's entrusted you to do and what he's entrusted me to do. So in the midst of our enduring, in the midst of our perse uh, persevering, uh, we want to continue to stay the course of whatever it is God's called you to do. And in the end, he receives the glory. In the end, he receives the honor. And it's not all about us, but it's about him and honoring him. But when we give in, when we step back, when we, we throw in the towel, then um, um, it, it is um, what happens all over many times. But um, we, we miss out on that blessing of doing what God wants us to do. And then God's got to work on trying to get us back on, which he will, uh, get us back on track, which he'll do his best to do. Uh, but man, the, the goal, the hope is that we continue, to, we stay the course we stay consistent. We let the Word of God direct us. We take every thought captive. We, we, we pursue with endurance the race that's set before us. Because Jesus said, those who endure to the end will be saved. Amen.
Uh, let me pray for us. Lord, I know that uh, many times in our